This is a Human Collective Podcast. This is episode six. Hello humans, this is the Human Collective Podcast with me, Ross Taylor. For 30 minutes each week, I'll be chatting to my friends in arguably the weirdest industry on planet Earth, TV and film. This week, I was joined by my friend, a filmmaker on TV and film spark, Nathan Carson. Nathan is a long-time friend of mine that got his start in TV on ever-returning BBC series Casualty. Um, as a lighting assistant and after a lot of hard work he moved up the ranks and on to greater pastures with some of the most loved tv shows on our screens uh, including doctor who gavin and stacy and even a wee hbo series called his dark materials nathan is a perfect example of someone who manifests his goals into reality Um, and we chatted last week about the importance of keeping your circle full of people who inspire you Um, nathan is certainly one of those people to me so I won't tell him that, of course, so let's keep that one between us. Enjoy. Nathan, how's it going, man? Thanks for coming on to the podcast. How you doing? Yeah, cheers, man. Uh, doing good. Doing really good. Been speaking to you for the last 20 minutes, which has been really nice. Don't let them know what goes on behind the curtain. No one knows what's going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, just, we, just, you know we just clicked uh, play there, and then we just came in like this. Yeah, I like your headphones. I wasn't sure if you were going to be doing a podcast or landing the plane. Well, I've done both this morning, <laughs> mate. You know that's my part-time job. Oh, man, um, you're, you're a multi-talent. you got to be pretty talented to work in TV and film. Isn't that right? Yeah. Do you know what's funny about these as well? They're like noise cancelling. So I sound... I can hear myself like, and it sounds a wee bit mad. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty you know, cool. I, it it's sounds good. pretty freaky. But, um, yeah, how are you keeping? Dude, I'm doing all right. Um just keeping busy like but you know this, this has been a good opportunity for me to ch- touch base with all my all my buddies in, in tv and film and see how they're getting on um what was the last thing you were working on before covid happened uh i stopped like i was i was just doing dailies in this show called spanish princess which is like uh like an american henry the eighth kind of thing and um so i was just around castles in england man um i've seen a lot of england i never thought i'd see like you know, honestly, there's some castles I could tell you how to put some cables through in an effective manner, you know, and I've done that more than once. Um, so it was great. And like the lads were such good cracking her. Like we've uh, so many good memories. And I started working on that. Just I was just doing days, man. And then just ended up working near every day in it. Like, but um, really good bunch of lads on there. And uh just had such good crack and then i've done like a couple other different things since i seen you but like they would only be like a day or two so you know i would I'd just do work anywhere you've been you've been pretty solid with work since you since you got your first break into 
into TV and film. Um, backtrack because a lot of the people listening probably they're obviously not going to know you like I know you. Um, but me and you obviously go way uh, back. Yeah, I'm a pretty big deal, so they should know me. But uh, I'll, I'll give them leeway. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully they've learned their lesson after this podcast. They'll get to know you well. Better. But um, Nathan, if you can tell me just what exactly your job is in TV and film, and and then tell me about your first job in TV and film after that. Okay, so um, I would be a spark on set, an electrician, lighting department, whatever which uh, you know, whatever one you want to categorize it under. Um, so we we just control all the power really and get the lights set up. I like and that. It's, and it's, the, it's the best job on set. Anyone who says any different, well, you know, like director's a pretty good job. Like that'll be the easiest job on set. Sorry, not the easiest. You know, I mean, like the handiest. You know. But like in terms of crew, you know, it's pretty. It's pretty good going. Um, uh, it's pretty. It's pretty intensive though. So like, that's why I like it. It's quite. Uh, it's quite a laborsome job. You're you're lifting a lot. You're moving a lot. You're doing lots of things. It's very interesting. Um, yeah, it's really hands on, isn't it? Oh man, completely. You're thrown in the deep end. You know, boys who've been doing this forty years or something. You're you're still. Even I, I've only started maybe the past two years, maybe two and a half, mate. And like, you know, you're doing, you know, you're trying to achieve like the same level and like the same, uh, same look that these lads are doing or like the same, these are just all chipping in. And like, it's just such a good environment, really. I, I haven't bumped into anybody in my department, at least, um, that hasn't been dead on and signed and really helpful, you know. Your and I'm so lucky uh, that I, I that I fell into this, to this department really. And your first um, your first gig in TV. Tell me about that. Yeah, so mate, I just got in like with the Irish charm. Like anyone listening from over here, like it works across the water. Mightn't work over here. You know what I mean. Everyone's got a wee bit of Irish charm over here. Like, but across the water, use it to your advantage. Um, and I, so yeah, I got like onto like a junior lighting operator uh, job role at Casualty and BBC. Um, and I had always wanted to get down BBC. I just didn't, to get working there because I went to uni in Cardiff. So, you know, you have like the big, you have the big building down the bay. That's big brand new studios and they shoot Doctor Who in there and they shoot Casualty. And I remember I'd be in uni and I'd take me walks down the bay and I'd be like, I'm going to, I have to get a job in there before I leave Cardiff, you know. And so I'd done my degree, um, done a master's then and I slaved in a pub the entire time. And uh, and then I just kept on chipping away and applying for things. And then luckily enough, this was one of the job roles I applied for. And it was actually the first one they ever gave me an interview and I told myself going in, I was like, if this is the only shot I've get, I've gotta I've gotta do it, I've gotta take it. It's it's mine for the taking. No one else is gonna take it from me. And lo and behold, I got it, like, you know. And um and then I started working on casualty for about a year as staff as training. Um, I guess like a trainee staff member and I was really looked after by all the lads there. Um they're probably thinking it's embarrassing I'm talking about this like this, but uh, hey ho. Um, but yeah, I was really looked after. And then I was freelancing. Like y- your staff contracts up after a year when you're training, so that's you thrown out in the big bad world, so to speak. And but luckily enough, 
I'd become pretty familiar with the whole casualty setup. It's a good, it's really, really good training ground there. Um, and I managed to stay on there for six months. And then by the time I'd saved up and bought my first car, like, um, which is the key really to being freelance, you need a car. I don't know how I survived. Do you know what I mean? I just, I just survived on luck really. And just people liking me. Um, um, and then when I got my first car, man, it wasn't long before I was out doing different jobs and, uh, and then, you know, you make it, you just put in a good shift, you know, and you work really hard and then other people get you in for bigger jobs and then I eventually left casualty and I go back every now and then, but I just, just get days on all these other jobs. And like I said, everyone from my department I met and others as well, like has been so signed, but made I remember like. You know, before I would have a car, I would lie the lads who were, you know, who book you for work and stuff. I would lie to them and say, like, I had a car and I would just get the bus to, like, Bristol at, like, four o'clock in the morning. I'd just, like, walk up the set as if I had just parked my car around the corner. Do you know what I mean? And then when they're like, how are you getting home? And I'm like, oh, I know a mate who lives around the corner. <laughs> I, I didn't know anyone. I just flipped and got the Megabus back to Cardiff at, like, two o'clock in the morning. But I knew if I put in a good shift, when I do get a car these lads would give me work and lo and behold that's what happens sometimes you gotta be prepared to get that mega bus treat yourself to be mcdonald's at three o'clock in the morning you know can i just can i just request that uh fergus i would like i would like this quote i want this quote to be somewhere in my visuals here in this screen because that's that's extremely northern irish inspiration uh, okay that didn't properly, but that is extremely inspirational northern irish language right there Sometimes what? you have to be willing to take the megabus, and that is so true. <laughs> We're going to take that megabus, the megabus of life, into all of our dreams. Woo! Can you can <laughs> you get my face on like a black background, and then just have it like white quotations beside me? You know? Yeah, man. That we'll make it good famous. Prepare to get <laughs> the megabus. Yeah, man. But look, you know, I think what it says about that is that if you have a willingness to learn and get on with people, when you get your first break it's it's one of those things that's gonna like the sky is the limit for for how well you can do because people want to work with people like that i want to work with people like that and it's obviously worked for you so it's a great great piece of advice for anybody who's looking to get in the industry and um see you know and what in, in an industry that almost seems impossible to get into in a way when you're younger you just go how the hell did i make yeah. that happen how does that how does that become a thing um Mate, i didn't even know it was a job until i was like 18 19 Mm. Do you know what I mean? You just don't. You just think uh, it's like people are just selected by being flipping random or amazing or something. You you wonder. You're like, how is that even a job? Like, is DOP even a job? What do you mean? You know? I know. It's that's like it's strange, whenever you like, whenever you go to the cinema and you see this list of people and it's just it's like hundreds of people and you're like, Jesus, is that a many jobs? Is that how many people it took to actually make that massive budget film? You know. And you never really, yeah. um, I've never till I worked in TV did I get a, a bit more of an appreciation. I always make an effort to watch the credits now because um, there's loads of people who aren't in front of the camera that have done uh, an exponentially enormous job to try and deliver this this film or documentary or TV show. Um, so I'm always, always keen. And as well, like in high budget drama, and you know a lot more about this than I do, but there's so many different positions that have all these different names 
best boy gaffer grip you know oh they've they're, they're totally like they're they, they can seem a little bit alien to, to people sometimes whenever you're working in, in small budget documentaries um which are obviously are a beast in themselves but um yeah there's yeah. just there's so much in, there's so much intricacy to high budgets and things like that um that, that that's something that i wanted to talk to you about actually and um in relation to um this situation that we're all in now um last week on the podcast we talked about how um with factual tv um there's it's there's there's a lot of ways in which we can work things around there's you know tvs are being delivered via zoom call but it doesn't necessarily work that way when it comes to uh, the next thor movie or to you know the next dark materials series or anything like that so how do you reckon um things look from now on and what is the way around this uh it's we're just gonna have to like to minimize the risk of of obviously this whole corona thing um and that's gonna be well that's up in the air at the minute like how do you do that can you do that you know at the end of the day like you're not gonna be flipping watching a thor movie that's gonna be filmed with zoom or you know, uh, handheld cameras running around Chris Hemsworth's house. And it then, would be interesting, uh, like to be fair. Yeah, I would, but I would watch it, but I don't know if it'd be any good. Here, he's a, he's actually done a really good one. Like called like it's on YouTube where like they shot it in between. I think it was in between Thor three or something where like he just plays like he's just got a job in Australia, but he's Thor and he has a, a roommate and stuff. Check it out. I forget what it's called, but it's it's class. They've already done it. Do you know what I mean? But in terms of, like how they're gonna do it and um. I can only speak from like experience really of like before this all happened like we had a sync on set um on location sorry and you were just told to like clean your hands as much as possible and like man not in a bad way like what I do especially my hands get stinking and you're right sometimes you're right in the muck all day you're right in the rain you get stinking anyway so you're washing your hands all the time so I I don't I don't really know man I think Obviously, I'm off work at the minute. Hopefully, stuff starts back up in like a month's time or something. Um, I know a couple of boys working at the minute, but they're just doing rigging. Um, so, you know, there isn't a hundred people on set. It's just them rigging a studio. Um, but we'll, we'll see, mate. I think all the super high budget things that have already missed their production deadlines and stuff. Obviously, you're talking about the Batman, Mission Impossible um fantastic beasts they'll be like in jurassic world they'll be like the first ones to go out of the gate really and set a precedent for how we're gonna go but mate it's i think it's just gonna it's gonna be like everything else we're just gonna have to take the risk do you know what it is like we've done that like sorry to cut you off there but like the thing i get from high budget things from high budget film tv one of the biggest messages i get from all my friends who work there is that people are like just suck it up and get on with the job and there's no it just feels like it's, it's it's a massive like conveyor belt of um i mean especially now there's so much more risk i just feel like people are uh, they're obviously going to have processes but eventually people are just going to be like look we've got to make this do you want to work or not that, that that's the feeling i get um you know yeah when, when when you were working you know the stories you tell me like it felt like you could have worked hundreds of hours and it wouldn't have been enough <laughs> yeah, yeah man like but but the thing is as well, and I don't mean to sound sad, and I'm not gonna, I'm definitely not gonna say anything. It won't give me work on anything else. But like, I've been in a lucky position where I've been working with people that I really like. So you want to work hard for them. 
Um, and there's quite, uh, you know, there's a good wee friendship there. So, so I don't, I don't really mind working that hard. In terms, you don't think of the bigger picture. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're so, when you're so small on that, um, packing order of of the crew or whatever, you you're not thinking of like the final product. That that's that's not your job. That's that would be the director's job or the production manager's job. Blah blah blah. Your job is literally to do. Whatever, whatever your specific department demands of you, you know, whatever your boss does. So you kind of get a wee bit of tunnel vision in terms of like, I'm just going to work hard for my boss who's telling me what to do. And, you know, you don't, you don't really think of like the final product sometimes. Sometimes you do, but on like smaller things or where you're a wee bit more, um, uh, you know, you're talking more to like, like the DOP and everything, you know, but in terms of sucking it up and just getting on with it, uh, it probably will come down to that man. And like I know a lot of people, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what people say. Like whether it's a good or bad thing, because like you've kind of got to do that anyway to get to get going anywhere in life. Do you know what I mean? If you didn't have to suck up and get on with it, you know, would would you get anywhere? Would you have taken any of the risks you've taken by applying for schemes or anything? You know, I'm sure you'd be like me where you, you obviously we've talked about it before, like, but you know, you don't think you're good enough really to get into this type of industry. You want in, but you're like, how, how do I go about where do I, and sometimes you just got to suck it up and go, right, I'm just going to apply myself to this as as best I can. And if, you know, and I'll just try my best and it's, it's worked so far. Absolutely, so, man. Th- linking back to Corona, no idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's an it's an incredibly difficult question to answer. Like, and I think at the end of the day, you know, we all will do what we can. And uh, it'll be it'll be the same as going to a pub. If you think it's not safe going to a pub, you won't go. If you don't think it's safe going to work, you won't go. You know, people are just going to have to decide whether they want to take the risk or not. So dead on so so nathan whilst you've been in lockdown um there's bound to be a few tv shows that you've been watching and i am absolutely dying to get some new tv shows to watch because i have absolutely turned the whole tv world upside down and i need some new shows so nathan you're very very lucky because today you get to tell me what is your top three lockdown classics Um, you've already seen them you you're 100 you've already seen them man okay okay all right but, well hit me we'll i'll tell you if i've seen them or not but do far away uh well number one the lockdown king himself tiger king everyone watched <laughs> that man if you didn't watch that during lockdown like where were you you know Absolutely. i'll buy you a netflix subscription just to watch it you know absolutely crack and watch can 100 percent recommend and i also have seen that what is number two Number two, can I just pick things that I watched like randomly, like they didn't come out during lockdown? Go for it. Uh, um, I'd probably say, because we've been working so much, like it was just catching up on loads of stuff I missed. So, like, th- have you seen Irishman? I have seen Irishman, yes. Is that your number two? Yeah, I'll, I'll stick that as my number two. Okay. okay. Mate, I could go on here. I could give you bloody fifty things I've caught up on. We we do not um, have time. We don't have time for fifty. So so I'm going to take number two as the Irishman, and uh, I will also piggyback on that and say if you've got four hours of the day that your girlfriend will let you have, and if she watches it with you, eventually, 
then go for it because I did. Mate, but I it took a long it, time to get around to watching it with me. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you did. Like, yeah. I I went the mini series approach, which I know people might go, eh, "That's not the right way to watch it." But like, I love Scorsese anyway, so like, I'll, I'll school you on facts with him. But um, number one, give me number one. Number one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I never seen it in the cinema because I was too busy working, and then finally got around to watching it, and I thought it was amazing. Class. I've never seen that. Actually, I haven't seen that. Um, that's Ryan Gosling, isn't it? No, once that's La La Land. Another sick watch, by the way. Oh I musicals, no, wait, but La La Land's amazing, man. Once upon a time in Hollywood, man. Once upon oh, a time, yeah, it's Tarantino. Class. Absolutely. Yeah, and like I, I know it got like a lot of mixed reviews and stuff. Like some of my friends and stuff like had mixed reviews, but I, I thought it was. I thought it was really amazing. And that and Irishman are two epic length films that like I finished it and was like, I could stick us on straight away and watch it all over again. It's amazing. And it's, um, sorry, not Scorsese. Um, Tarantino's films are, they're brilliant in so many ways. But one of the reasons why I love Tarantino is that you can really watch it and you can, you do take away different things um, from the first time. Uh, the first time, usually yeah. I'm trying to kind of get a good sense of the story and the acting and you just get a bit lost in it, you know, but I think the second time around, you just get even more immersed and you really appreciate how great the acting is and how incredible the the, the shots are and uh, wow, amazing. And uh, if you have any, if you, if you weren't, some people will have watched it and they might not understand 100% on the kind of story and the twists and stuff at the end. Um, just yeah. look into um, the Sharon Tate murders i guess which is you know pretty synonymous in american history but um if you don't if you didn't know about it it's better to know about it first and then watch the movie 100 percent, 100 percent, man I, I was pretty clued up on the whole thing i'd read like books about it before and then yeah without spoiling it it's it's better if you go in knowing that like period of history in hollywood um Although, like, he cast... Who did he cast? Was it Damien Lewis from Homeland? He cast as, like, Steve McQueen. That was the only one where it was a bit like, yeah. Bit of a mess. Um, so, moving on, um, and this is one of my favourite segments, um, because I know for sure that you're going to have... You're going to have something for me. Um, this is my favourite segment of the podcast. It is Weird TV Tales. So, Nathan, um, I want you to hit me up with your weirdest TV tale, because I believe it's the weirdest industry on planet earth so hit me up um weirdest one well um there's a couple but i'm not going to say them in case i lose my job um, <laughs> well you can always crack a few probably, out and i can edit out another one <laughs> yeah yeah you can pick the best um probably the weirdest moment man not not like weirdest story i don't know what other people are saying on here but like like you said, like you you wait so long and like you work so hard to get into it and you think like beforehand, like, oh my god, like when I'm on to be on a set itself, you're like, That would be mad, that would be mental and then like once you're there and then you realise, Oh, hold on, this is a job and it's just part of your daily life now, you know, things just become normal. And I remember we were doing some show and like uh, they were filming a sex scene and like you would think beforehand, you'd be like hold on if they're doing a sex scene i'm gonna be like you're just gonna wonder what it's like you're gonna be like oh inquisitive and all that stuff be like how do they do this how, how, like listening to the director you know like how 
are they going to go about doing this and blah 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 and I just remember man I was just sat on like right behind the flipping set that they were doing all this in and making all the noises and stuff as I sat there on my phone wondering why my national lottery app wasn't working and getting really annoyed going like why come on just accept my credit card and do you know what I mean like there's always like flipping moaning and stuff going on in the background they're giving it stacks and everything I just didn't care you know what I mean I was more like why can I not do my numbers tonight mate you could be there's something about it whenever I think whenever you moved over to Cardiff there just was something inside you that became more Northern Irish you know like whenever whenever Spider-Man starts to become Venom I, I think this is what happened to you. I think when you started working on high budget films, it was a bit like like a Northern Irish Venom sort of thing started like going over your face and your body, and then all of a sudden you're in a sex scene with the biggest stars in the world, and you're looking at your lottery numbers, going for fuck's sake, where the hell are they not working? Like, <laughs> I hope you bloody accept my credit card. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what mate. That's what it's like. But see, to be honest, man, see, as soon as I left home, like I just you never. St- I, I can 100% bet I'll be the only person that's ever walked through Cardiff City Centre and Atlanta Thorntop. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll take I'll take that credit all day. And I'll be proud to. Mate, that's it. Like, and, you know, when you go when you go overseas, I'm sure you have that sort of sense of identity with being Northern Irish and being maybe different than, than the rest. Um, but I'd like to think that you're setting the bar for Northern Irish workers over wherever we are and uh, and the people are speaking highly of all of us whenever whenever you're over in the mainland. I, I would like to think so. I think we're all like sick crack and we obviously all work hard. I just think that's like very in- ingrown with our like upbringing and stuff. Um, we're just a very like working class country, aren't we? So like it rubs off, you know what I mean? Um. But yeah, I love it. But mate, I'm a stereotype. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, when they're like, "Oh, what what pint do you want, Guinness?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> I do." I do I? I do I? Oh, what what are they saying on the radio? Uh like I mate, I ain't trying to. I don't really drink coffee, but like to work in TV, you kind of need to drink coffee because you know there's only so many times the lads can ask you what you want in the coffee round. You need that. Like, can, me I up, a, man, don't you? can I have a bottle of water, please, or a coke? And they're like. All right, um, so like I go for a maca, and everyone just takes a piss out of me on the radio, saying like, four flat whites on a maca, please, mate." <laughs> I call everyone mate as well on the radio, um, but here I just think it's good crack. Yeah, man, be born without you, it. You have to have a good sense of humour, like, don't you? Yes. Um, <laughs> you shut up! <laughs> shut up! Shut yeah. up! What I'm talking about. Um, so, so my final segment, Nathan, was this one. Um, I think you've you've done a pretty good job of answering for me, but I'm interested to know if you had any um, kind of resources, tools, or experience or advice for any of our sort of listeners who are interested in smashing through the door, just like you did. And um, you know, is there anything um, that you want to s- sort of advice wise give to any anyone listening? Yeah, just get a Northern Irish accent. <laughs> we could just get a dialect coach and here, mate. Them. Every every everyone over in the mainland thinks they can do it, so give it a <laughs> do they? World. Oh, of course they. Oh man, hi now, Brian Kai and all that nonsense. And they, and, and they can't. Hey, it's a good thing you didn't give up your vowels. You know, you still you still say it the wrong way, the way it should be said. You know, tile and vowel and bile. Yeah, Kai. You know the whole thing. Kai. Um, no, on a serious note, um, 
if I was actually to give like some advice to anybody who's like listening and like hasn't was where I was like two or three years ago, um, you just gotta, you just gotta like not lose sight of what you want to do, um, and you just gotta keep on applying, and you just gotta keep on putting yourself out there, but knowing your worth. So like, don't be doing, don't be doing something where like. Do you know what I mean when I say know your worth in terms of if you're good at something, you won't do it for free. But if you are going to do stuff for free, make sure that's that's something you actually really want to do and you think it's going to benefit you um, and you're invested in it and you don't mind if nothing comes of it. You know, like I do like easy comedy videos on the side, not because I want to become like, you know like a viral comedy star or whatever i just have like wee funny sketches in my head so i just try and get them out do you know what i mean but not expecting anything from it so like but the main thing i'd be is just like just just don't lose just don't lose hope and it's really good if you look up stories of like uh you know like proper professionals and stuff and of like great actors or great writers or great directors who maybe just didn't you know they had to work really hard to get where they were you know, you look at Harrison Ford. He he worked on set before he was um before he was an actor. You look at the writer of Del Boy. He was a chippy on set, I believe. You know, um. So I just would say, just if you haven't got anything yet, just keep on, just keep on chipping away because it'll come eventually. Absolutely, you know? man. I think that's I think that's like top class advice. And uh, you know, on a serious note, knowing your worth is one of the most important things that you can do um in this industry because um yeah you're gonna be you will be looked down upon if you don't know your worth if you do too much stuff for free or like if you're breaking your back you know you're not you're making other people's lives hard you know and that's the thing like you kind of you you learn very quickly when you when you get in is um is to know your worth really absolutely don't be man. doing stuff don't be doing stuff under the rate all that nonsense self-explanatory uh, well yeah you know yourself like um from w- whenever you you go through a scheme and then all of a sudden you're a freelancer or if you go straight into being a freelancer you know you're gonna have to say to somebody this is what i'm worth you know and this is what i'm bringing to the table and if you don't know what that is if you can't sit down and say to someone why you're worth that amount of money that you think you should be paid um then you're going to lose out on certain opportunities um, and people respect you if you are upfront and clear Absolutely. and you hold your nerve as one of the some of the best advice mm. i've ever been told is from my mom but she says just hold your nerve and back yourself and you know think about what you've done to get there think about your own journey i think what your story tells me is that you know everything you've, you've done prior to getting into tv it was all part of you know the bigger picture of getting in and you know getting all the skills that you have whether it's you know believing in yourself or um or having an obsession with shows that you want to work on and and divulging that content and sort of understanding as much as you can about the production process before you even get into um yeah through the door you know some, some, some people get in they don't have they don't have really an interest in in tv or film whatever you know there's some people who just get in and they're and they're really lucky that way but you know for someone who's interested like um if you work really hard to get in once you're in you'll just appreciate it like so much um and like in turn yeah man like i i used to work really in a really uh 
shitty job in a pub, like just clean. Like yeah, it was a nice pub to work in, I guess. But you know, you're still dealing with arseholes, cleaning up sick, cleaning up shit. You know, and I, but, but me at the entire time when I was doing it, I was like, this is gonna make me appreciate a good job so much more. And I used to walk through those halls at a pub, um, like in the cellar and everything. And it was always in my head, I, I'll be out of here and I'll have a really good job soon. Absolutely. And lo and behold, I got lucky. But you know, when you know when luck presents itself, you got to be ready to take it, and you can't be afraid to shy away. Perfect man. Um, absolutely stellar advice from um somebody who I hold in such a high regard. Um, you're a great friend of mine, and you will be for a long time. And I hope that I could eventually work with you. Um, at some point down the line, two Northern Irish jits working together. Imagine that. Um, so yeah, write that down. Uh, yeah, man. Listen, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Um, I hope to hope to no, see you when me. all this shit uh calms down and uh. And yeah, man, thank you for coming on again. Yeah, no worries, bro. Thanks for having me. I hope I uh, haven't rambled on too much for you. Oh, uh, well, that's a good thing that you haven't rambled on too much because I, I have a timer that tells me when I need you to stop. So that's about that time. So, uh, <laughs> man, it's good to see you. But here, Nothing listen, like take care of yourself. And thank you for being on the HC pod. Yeah, cheers, man. Not even human. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Human Collective Podcast. Remember, like and subscribe our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify for all future podcasts. The Human Collective. You know we